0: Okay, um, I didn't know I was going to start first. I was looking forward to hearing other people talking uh, first. So anyway, um, when I th- thought, I've only got 10 minutes, so I'm going to have to be fast, so I'll forget that first sentence. <laughs> um, <laughs> what I decided to do was just to, because um, I'm quite a pragmatist, I thought I'd choose something and then give you an example of applying that into my own own life. Okay. So <clears throat> it's a conditionality principle that I'm choosing to talk about. I would really recommend Divan's book, This Being That Becomes. I think it's a really excellent, easily accessible book uh, that talks about this Fundamental concept uh, which underlies all of the Dharma. So I'm choosing really the bedrock of, of, of the Dharma. So there wasn't one particular thing that um, I felt I wanted to talk about. Uh, there was so much Dharma that actually um, informs my life and the way I live my life. So, um, okay. So, um, I just. Well, first of all, I've got a question, and the question is, do you really, really want to transform yourself? If you do, read the Dharma. Okay? And then I was thinking about the key messages that I wanted to say to you. So there were just three things I really wanted to say, uh, and they are, apply the Dharma to your everyday life. And explore whatever makes your mind and heart sing. Whatever aspect of the Dharma you actually feel drawn to, um, explore it. Yeah. And the third one, as the Buddha asked us, test the Dharma in our own experience. Really test it out for ourselves. So each of us really needs to look at our own experience and the Dharma in light of our own experience. Does it ring true? Um, is it true in my experience um, and is it true both in sense of um, cognitive uh, in a cognitive way but also uh, using your intuition and your, your life's experience just really test it um, so those that's what I wanted to say mm-hmm. so I can stop there <laughs> <laughs> okay <laughs> alright then Okay, so uh, just to give you some context, um, so this is Paticha uh, Samuppada, which is often translated as condition co-production or dependent arising or dependent origination. I personally don't like any of those translations. I much prefer the conditionality principle that that talks about. Um, for me, that's a phrase that... Um, is more accessible for my mind and one that I can think about quite easily uh, in my everyday experiences. So um, the context that I want to talk about was uh, when I was coming head to head with a particular uh, work colleague of mine. So just to give you the context, I was managing mental health services for a local authority and my work colleague was managing half of the older people's services, the half that um, um, is the um, direct care, so the home care services and things like that. We were asked to cover uh, a colleague's absence who was managing the other half of the older people's social services now I'm talking about, and um, that was the social work service, the hospital social work service, and the the teams of social workers that uh, assess people and, and support older people. Uh, we actually ended up doing that for 18 months, so a lot longer than we thought we were going to do. Susie and I got on very well with each other, no problems. First three months, great. After three months, we kept kind of bumping up against each other. And it was clearly there's something going on, there's some dynamic going on. Um, and I was starting to feel. Um, irritated with her, started to feel frustrated and starting to feel angry. And whenever I thought of her, these negative feelings would come up. So I thought, I I realised I needed to do something about this uh, situation and not let it carry on. So um, what I did is start to looking at all of the conditions that were around in these situations where we were disagreeing. Um, and I looked at on an individual, I looked at things on an individual level, a work cultural level, and a so- social kind of uh, level.. Okay. So and I tried to look at all of the factors that were there. So on an individual personality level, um, I looked at my reflective my management style, which is a reflective management style and Susie's management style, which was a proactive style. So um, I'm used to managing um, social workers and my preferred style was to think things through and then make a decision and I'd look at the um, short-term situation, short-term decision but look at the long-term consequences and then make a decision after I'd kind of thought that through. Susie used to managing services that had to respond very rapidly to people. They may go in and find somebody lying on the floor and they've got to do something very quickly. Her management style was very um, re- reactive. So she preferred to make a decision. And then, if it was a wrong decision, kind of tweak it and uh, change the decision in light of uh, experience um, so we both had very different management styles, and when it came to making decisions, a very different process. We had a, a tele, uh, we have a kind of little corridor conversation. I thought I just started a process. She thought we'd made a decision. You know. Uh, <laughs> And then she tells her stuff. This decision's made, and I'm going, no, no, we haven't, haven't made that decision. Uh, so you can can see we we did. And um, another thing, then I looked at views. We both had the view that I am right. <laughs> I have to say, both managers, both lots of responsibility, used to used to being in a position of making decisions. You know, we both think we're right, very firmly thought we were right. Um, Another view uh, I had was um, this is the best way to do this thing whatever it was Uh, and the view was underneath that I don't like to make mistakes. I see mistakes as a failure you know I don't want other people to see my mistakes certainly and I don't want to make mistakes. Susie's view mistakes are mistakes Uh, She seemed quite happy that um, making decisions, which then might not be fully refined, if you like, and she'd just, uh, just adapt that decision. So she felt it didn't matter if we made mistakes, that we're not perfect. And she also felt happy about involving staff when she and I had a disagreement. So I had another view, I found out don't talk to staff when she and I have a disagreement because I want us to have an agreement before we talk to talk to our managers. But she was quite happy saying, you know, we've got a disagreement. And I'm going, ah! <laughs> uh, and she was not sure why I wasn't willing to talk about things uh, with people until a certain time, so, so as you can see, very different uh, personalities, very different views coming, in, coming into play. Um, we had a lot of similar values, we were in a, the, the same profession, um, but there was something about the way that we worked with staff which, w- which was different as well. Um, So one of my fears underneath those views, I felt that was, um, I didn't want to be made a fool of. So I saw making mistakes being seen as a bit of a fool, you know, if people saw that I'd made a mistake, I would feel foolish. So that's what came up for me. Um, And underneath that then, kind of old storylines, which i would kind of been telling myself since, you know, uh, really a small child. Um, so one of those was that people are trying to make me look like a fool. That is one of my storylines I, I discovered. So, so of course I look for that everywhere. <laughs> I look for people trying to make a fool of me, uh, and lo and behold, I found it. I found evidence everywhere. <laughs> uh, and mustn't be perfect and not make a mistake. Really good conditioning from mother, thank you, Mother. Really strong conditioning. You know you must you must do everything right. There's only one way to do things, and you know it's got to be right. so so that's a very um, deep conditioning. On the um, so that's on the individual level, on the work cultural level, there were, we're in a very difficult financial climate, so I'm only talking about a couple of years ago, but we were having to make uh, huge savings. So that was influencing some of the decision-making process, and um, neither of us wanted to make savings in our area of service. We wanted to protect ours very attached to our services. Um, yes, make savings over there. You know, not not my service. So again, we kind of hit each other because uh, some of the decisions involved uh, making savings, and um, also our manager was a very laissez-faire manager, and he um, allowed um, he allowed situations to go on. And what tended to happen is the person who shouted loudest got the decision in their favour. So, um, so that was another factor that um, I couldn't influence. Yet. And, of course, on the social level, we've got a government that are trying to, that's taking funding away from local authorities, you know, not, uh, not supporting the welfare state. So, so, as I looked at this situation, me and Susie, actually, there's so many conditions when I, when I start looking at it. And that made me, when I realised that, it made me kind of let go a little bit of some of these views and some of these patterns of behaving that, that I had and just holding that whole situation a lot more lightly because I just couldn't control much of that actually, in reality, I couldn't control much of it. But what I could control (coughs) was my uh, holding on to my feeling of being upset, feeling of frustration, feelings that I'm right, and really kind of holding those views uh, a little bit lighter a little bit lighter. So that second arrow of suffering, you know, I needn't um, be doing that to myself. Um, So so what I would uh, advise in applying this conditionality principle is to look at as many conditions as possible as you can find on different levels and for ourselves to really look at what what our behaviour is saying to us, really. What is my view underneath this? Because we're not always uh, conscious of what the view is. What is my behaviour saying? And uh, what kind of storyline then is underneath that? You know, what is that saying? And really being tender in terms of uh, seeing that clearly and and, um, being kind and and tender towards ourselves about that. Because it comes from a very deep place and it comes from, you know, Uh, our tender uh, tenderness as well so and then look at what is the cause of this suffering that I can do something about you know there's lots of factors I can't do anything about but what can I do about what can I change and what then can I learn from the situation so the other little nugget I want to say is when we find ourselves blaming other people Pause. And Pema Chodron says blaming others is a wake up call. Mm-hmm. So when we find ourselves, <gasps> so and so, so and so, you know, really pause and just have a look, at, deeper look at ourselves. Thank you. Okay, very much. okay. okay.